0: We're ready for you, Yeah, mark. we're ready to go. Let's go. Thank you, Pastor Tark. Oh, take a seat, folks. You all okay? I'm awake now. First service, I was just, uh, I was in remote control mode, and we got through pretty well. I love this church. I'll tell you honestly, I think you have just great Pastor, Pastor Tark and Pastor Adrian are just great people, and thank you for those kind words, Reverend. Are you going now? He's just leaving. Gee. Yeah. Anyway, I've known them for donkey's years. We used to be out there. Where was, the, where was the church when I first came here? Out there. Now it's a little bit of the car park or something. A couple of hundred people out there. Who was there when I first started coming? Six. Praise God. I was a very young man, very young skinny bloke then. I've just lost 25, 30 pound. I have just lost it, did this horrible diet, gee, now I'm just eating for the day one grape, uh, a piece of cheese that a mouse wouldn't even get fat on, and uh, one drink of water, in fact for breakfast this morning I had a dingo breakfast, drink of water and a look around, but I've loved coming here, I love this church, I feel very at home with you, and uh, every year it's just a joy, in fact we come nearly every year, don't we? I invite myself every year. Now I got invited this year. I didn't even invite myself Pastor Tuck this year. Where is he? Where's he gone now? The man's like this, like a startled gazelle around there. God's gonna do something this morning and then tonight is a big miracle meeting tonight. We're just gonna go heal the sick, cast out devils, uh, heal the lepers. So we've got a hung parliament in Australia, have we? Well, a lot of people have been praying to hang them for a while, it looks like they're hung. Ah, uh, it'll oh, probably go better now. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? One thing about Australians, we're not arrogant. <laughs> we're, we're, we are among the most humble people in the world. I'm, I'm incredibly humble. I'm so humble, humble that a few years ago, Pastor Tark gave me a humility medal, yeah. but I wore it so much he's taken it off me, so <laughs> that's gone. I want you to turn your Bible, please, to the book of 2 Second Chronicles 2 Chronicles. Pretty easy to find, it straight after 1 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 10, and Father, I ask you to do something very profound here this morning. How are you in the balcony, folks? One person, one's good. How are the rest of you? Uh, how many are alive? In the balcony, four. I'm gonna ask the question again. How are you up on the balcony? are you phenomenal yeah. if the all blacks just beat the wallabies again as normal what would you say then yeah. Uh i give up all right nice try tim well here we go <laughs> jody and sam great to see you and all the team here too second corinth what did i say chronicles <laughs> i haven't woken up yet second corinthians you can go to chronicles if you like It'll be a waste of time 2 Corinthians. Straight after 1 Corinthians. The Bible says this. Chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me this morning. Help me. Let the word be with power. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I needed to do that. I've had coffee and that prayer. Now I'm right. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. Is the city tuned in with us now, Pastor? I was just going to say hello. Oh, forget it, city. Not tuning in. They tuned in the first one, did they? Well done. Though we walk in the flesh, how many people got out of bed this morning to discover that you're in a body? How many are in it at the moment? You can't get out of it. We live in this thing. We get around in this thing. All shapes and sizes we are. All shapes, colors, sizes. Some of us have got long hair, some short hair, some no hair, some mustaches and beards. And that's just the ladies. And, so, and, and that's a joke. That's a joke. And my auntie, my auntie grew a mustache. I was trying to grow one. Hers was so good I gave up in disgust. I couldn't match her mustache. It was a beauty. No, she even waxed it. She had it waxed out, she, was, she looked like a Spitfire pilot. She was fantastic. She was, the, I told you about her, she was the big lady that I told you, didn't I? Used to wear the fox skin around the front and the teeth clamped on and she'd clasp me to her, clasp me face first into the fox. And I had a fear of foxes. I used to dream of being chased by foxes. Then when I was an older, I used to go and shoot the little mongrels. That's nothing to do with the message. Though we walk in the flesh. You got up this morning, you're in a body. Though we walk around, peripate, we walk about in a body. Our warfare is not natural. Though we walk in a natural realm, the warfare we're in is not carnal, not natural. But the weapons, the Bible says here, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our military campaign are not natural, but divinely and supernaturally powerful through God to the pulling down or casting down of strongholds. Then it says we are casting down, the Amplified says, imaginations, reasonings, and every lofty high thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And we are then bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. It's a powerful piece of scripture. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not warring after something natural. But we have been given supernatural weapons in order in a world that is hostile to God to not just stand but having done everything to stand. But it says we're casting down imaginations, reasonings, and every lofty thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. What are we dealing with? Dealing with the mind. We're dealing with thoughts. The greatest battle that anyone in this room will ever have will be in your own mind. The greatest warfare that we will ever face will be in the spirit of the mind. We live in a society which is controlled by mind manipulation. Planned and controlled through the airwaves, through movies, television, music particularly, is there to evangelize a generation. I was raised in the 60s. In the 60s, things dramatically changed. Everything changed. Those that are old enough to remember, how many remember the 60s? It was, there's there's never been a decade like the 60s. I tell the young people today that listen to 60s music, get your own, we didn't listen to 1910 music. (laughs) We listened to 60s music, but it was a revolution. It's a revolution, we had Beatlemania. That was a revolution, but that revolution was manipulated in the heavenlies and we found the Beatles starting off as these nice lads singing ballads who finished up embracing the Guru Ji, going to India. Uh, George Harrison became a Krishna, saying things like, My Sweet Lord. And then they got drenched into the occult. And then you find they got drenched into occultic stuff. In fact, one man wrote of them, they are Antichrist. He said, I mean, I am Antichrist, but they are so Antichrist it shocks me. They, uh, much of their music had symbolism and stuff that was taking young people further and further and further away from anything to do with God and that's been the same through the music industry today powerfully controlled in what they say with all the symbols of the occult and the demonic because there's a generation having their mind manipulated to go a certain way being prepared ultimately for a situation I have a one world rulership in which Satan will take the endeavour to take the helm before God beats the living stuffing out of him. In fact, Jesus is not going to do it. He will not dirty his hands when the day comes. He'll send an angel to chain him up and throw him in the lake of fire. Jesus will not... He's, there are nail prints in his hands that we allowed to be put there. But never again will anything of satanic origin get near his hands. He'll delegate an angel to deal with a fallen angel but the world's being manipulated in the mind so give me an example in 1958 the americans were losing the space war and uh, they were very concerned because the russians were ahead the sputnik had gone up yuri gagarin anyone remember those names the sputnik who's old enough am i talking to any other oldies (laughs) yuri gagarin not the bloke that bent the spoons that was what's his name who was the spoonbender? He was a Gagarin or something But Yuri was up in space. The Americans are falling behind. And they said, We're losing the space race. It's because the Russian kids are better in science. We better get the schools up to date with science. And it's the 100th year of Charles Darwin's nonsense. Um, we better celebrate. And so they put a billion dollars into schools, into school books. Pushing evolution, and from 1958, evolution. Where prior to that, most people actually believed that this incredible universe, with all of its systems and everything else, had to have a creator, had to have some intelligence. They were so smart in 1958 that they began to tell everybody that this incredible world, that you have to be a genius to try and understand the smallest part, didn't need someone who was a designer, and that we'd come from some amoeba or some some explosion in the universe of helium and and I say, well if helium and hydrogen blew up, how did you get gold, silver, lead, platinum, potassium? How'd you get all that? If the sun is hydrogen and mainly hydrogen or whatever, and helium, hydrogen, whatever, how come the planets aren't? We're made up of any anyway, rate, let's not go there. Let's not go there. But and so if you go to university today and you say, I'm a creationist, I believe that there's design, that there's a designer. Well, they can handle that now by saying that the spacemen did it. Well, what a load of jolly horse feathers. <laughs> so you had lies propagated, lies, lies about everything from sexuality to to existence of God to... Uh, Everything seems to be becoming more and more a manipulation of lies. But God says, you're in a war. It's a war against your mind and the mind of a generation for control. But he says, I've given you supernatural weapons that are so powerful that they are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? It is a fortress It is a fortress built brick by brick that either holds people out or keeps them in. A lot of people have a fortress that keeps them locked in so they can't touch God. Some people have a fortress, as Pink Floyd in the 60s put out a song, Just Another Brick in the Wall. I think it was an album. And people have fortresses built, but often by their family. A young man or young woman whose family tell them, You are of no value. You are no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're the worst in the family. Why couldn't you be like your brother? Why couldn't you? Young people who one member of the family is the the good kid and the other one's the bad kid. And the good kid dies in an accident and the father says, I wish it had been you. And reinforces that. And that keeps building a wall until that person eventually becomes chained in to a fortress that can't be broken. We have a generation in the universities that have a concept being br- built by the teachings of the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years based on Karl Marx, Freud, Carl Jung, the ph- godless philosophers, Darwin, and everything else that says there's no God, God is dead. So the universities live in a humanism. What we're seeing politically around the world is the result of humanistic mind control that's gone on that's anti-God for so long. But we have weapons. We are the church. We are the fullness of him that fills all in all. We are the only answer on a planet that has been taken like hooks in the jaw, being dragged ultimately to a lost eternity the sad thing is that to a great degree, relativism or everything being relative to the age, sexuality or, or how we think or how we deal with this, the church now is trying to fit in a line. So many churches today are so little different. So many home groups that used to get in the word of God, go to the pub now. I got out of the pub. Most of my repentance when I got saved was due to stuff that happened with alcohol. I don't want the old one, I want the new one. We can debate it and I'm not gonna pick on anyone that likes a wine with a meal, but for me, I wanna be transformed in the spirit of my mind. I wanna think differently, I wanna dream differently. I wanna understand this book. The problem is in the world today because we stand by this book people are now referring to us as haters 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 fundamentalist haters no no we hate sin we don't hate people we hate sin we've got to get and so the bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're divinely powerful to the demolition of strongholds what are the strongholds we face we're facing things all the time. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it says, finally, verse 10, finally be strong, be endued with an excessive dose of the supernatural of God in Dunamu and in the power of his might, two very powerful words of dominion and, and forcefulness. Be, be, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What is the word wiles? It's the word methodia. It literally speaks of building a road. Put on the whole weaponry, not armor, weaponry. The word is panoplia in the Greek from two words, pass all, hoplon, weaponry. Put on the whole weaponry of God that you might stand against the methods of the devil. What are his Methods. His methods are to build into our minds a road. He knows how to press the button in your mind to cause you problems. He knows where to go to cause you to move from faith to fear. He knows the buttons to push in our lives that take us from triumph to worry, from strength to confusion, from confidence into a tailspin. And if we follow it, when he pushes those buttons, he has a series of thoughts that he'll layer one on top of the other. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are divinely powerful to the demolition of strongholds, the absolute extinction of strongholds. God wants to break every stronghold in our mind. It says in Ephesians, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it speaks of being totally transformed in the spirit of our mind some people come into church and you can tell there's a spirit over their mind that says don't come near me everybody hates me and i know you will too some people have rejection all over their mind every thought they have and everything they say to you they will filter through a filter on their mind that says you're no good people have been told so long they're no good that when anyone speaks to them something positive they'll filter it through the whole filter that says you are no good god wants to break that off bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind total renewing transformation transformation from one form to another the bible says that that the word of god in fact the word of god will renew our minds will be strengthened through the word Mind games, that's what the devil's working all over the planet, it's mind games. You've got neighbours that are caught up in mind games, you've got friends that are having strongholds built every day, people you'll talk to and they'll be convinced that God is a spaceman or that, that there is no God or that God wants them to be sick or something else and, uh, or that God doesn't love them, that God hates them, that for some reason they have all sorts of strongholds and you're facing them every day. You're around them. How do we as the body of Christ break into the community in power, begin to unlock the community, begin to break people open and see the light of God flood into their being and we see him established in the church? Weapons. We have them. We have all sorts of weapons. We've got weapons of praise. Weapons of fasting and prayer. And they're Weapons. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, Genesis 49, that the foot of Judah, the praiser, will continually be on the neck of his enemy. Learning to praise God is weaponry. King David, out there in a desolate place, learned to come into dominion as he worshipped God in a place of fear. And he stepped into dominion so that when they wrote of him, they said, he is a mighty and valiant man before he had taken down Goliath. God wants to bring us into a place with worship, with praise, with, with uh, all the elements that God's given us, the word of God, the sharpness of the word, the, the de- declaration of faith. There are so many weapons. And then there are supernatural weapons that are going to change the people around us. And I want to talk for a few minutes about that. I've got a a little bit of time. I just want to open up a little bit about some of the, the ways that we can change the people around us and break through the strongholds in their mind. Let me tell you a story of a young man in our church. His name was Ian Fletcher. Ian was the best street evangelist I ever saw. He was so committed to God. Ian and his fiance were talking to a young woman and they shared their faith with her on several occasions and each time she would listen and then she would shut down and it was obvious that there was a wall that was impenetrable through which the word of God could not go. And Ian said, Lord, you have a weapon here. In fact, the scripture says in Matthew 16, God said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Every one of us got saved because somewhere a key was put into our life. Some of you heard about a miracle, someone was touched by something. Someone was impacted by hearing what happened to someone. Someone was impacted by a supernatural word. Someone just come walking into church without knowing why. Whatever, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What are they? There are a great big bunch of keys, keys to individuals, keys to communities, keys to nations. They're not some imaginary thing. They are divine. God-given keys that will break a nation open. There are keys this week that will break open Tuvalu. Tuvalu, Tuvalu. I was in P&G last weekend. That was wild. We had an incredible move of God up there in West New Britain a week ago. I was sweating like a piglet. It was dripping off me. We had some miracles. But Ian could not get through he said god i gotta have a key i gotta have a weapon because the weapons of warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through god to the demolishing of mental fortresses we're destroying speculations reasonings lofty things that keep the knowledge of god out and we're taking those thoughts and we are bringing them captive how do we bring them captive supernatural gifts manifestations of god anointing prayer all manner of things but god wants us to bust our community Revival, we talk about it. is going to come not from up here. It's going to come from out there. Whole creation is groaning, groaning in strongholds, waiting eagerly, stretching their head. Romans eight, earnestly waiting the appearance and the showing forth of the sons of God. What does that mean? They're waiting for the sons of the living God, sons and daughters. That includes both coming into their presence, carrying some supernatural thing that is going to bust those strongholds down and open them up to the gospel. I'll tell you a couple of stories. Ian said to God, I've got to have a key. What do I do? And he went on a fast. He said, I'm going to wait on you, Lord. And he, committed, he was a landscape gardener, and he committed himself to 21 days on bread and water just to break through and get one key to a girl's life. Imagine if we began to press in with prayer and fasting just for one person in our district just one person we know and he pressed in every day cried out to God it was the last day of his fast at night and he sat bolt upright in bed in a cold sweat and God said Ian get out in your car it was about three o'clock in the morning he got out in his car and he felt the Lord just leading him and he drove and followed and he got down to a uh, to a laneway in Noble Park in Melbourne He got out of his car, walked into this laneway in the early hours of the morning and God said to him, in this laneway something happened to that young lady that only she, the devil, the man and I know about. She's never told anyone. She's kept this in and protected herself because of this and she's blamed me, she's blamed so many things and she puts up a wall because she is so vulnerable and people build walls because Down in here, they've been hurt so many times that they've learnt to build walls that will not allow love in. Not the love of a person. There are people that are incapable of being loved because to protect themselves, they've been hurt so much, they have to build a wall that doesn't allow their hearts to get hurt again because they can't take it. And she couldn't take the love of Jesus because she'd been through that. And they sat with her. And they started to share, and again, she, the same thing, she put the walls up of a stronghold, and there they were, strong walls. And Ian said, I know why you can't believe. She said, why? He said, I was taken to a laneway last, last night. And when I went into that laneway, he said, I knew that something had happened to you that was traumatic when you were young. And he said, the Lord wants you to know that he is not responsible for that, but he wants to heal that, that the devil caused that to happen through and so on and god wants to heal you and she broke down and he shared the little that god had just god will just give you enough god's a gentleman he's not going to expose your life that's the sin sometimes then after warning and warning and warning he'll blow a thing wide open and shout it from the rooftops but in this case the girl eyes went wide open she began to cry and she said you're right only god knows that on her knees saved and baptized in the spirit now how many people do you and i know that have strongholds built it may be a stronghold that says i can't be loved god loves you what does that mean i don't even know what that means anyone that's ever been close to me has hurt me so i got this wall up don't tell me god loves me because love just does nothing but hurt me or god is your heavenly father well you don't know my father He just beat me and treated me like dirt. If that's what God's like, I got a wall up. How do we get through? Jesus was at a well in Samaria. There's a woman at the well. Jesus said, Would you get me a drink of water, please? And she said, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. What are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? That's culturally and all round. This is a lot of hatred. That's like, that's like a, a Palestinian and a Jew together. Not a lot different. Why would you be speaking to me? Jesus said, if you knew the water that I have. And he began to talk about living water that bubbles up. Here's the son of God talking to her and is bouncing off. There's nothing eternal going through. Here's a stronghold in her. She's been involved, I think, with a lot of men because later on, all the men of the city came out to find out what he'd been said about her. She couldn't open because there's a wall. You are surrounded by people in your street, family members. that have a wall built. And they build it up. They build it over years sometimes. How do we break it? We need something sharp and strong that will come. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, divinely powerful to demolish, totally destroy, totally remove in a moment of time if we dare to believe it eventually jesus really she was dead spiritually dead everything he said bounced off the walls that she'd built and that's the son of god talking yeah. so we think well how can we get rejected when we talk maybe we need to have some firepower Maybe we need to wait on God for some real firepower. Because Jesus said, go get your husband. She said, I haven't got one. And Jesus looked at her and he said, you just answered that correctly, ma'am. You've had five, and the man you're with right now, you're not even married to. And suddenly, the stronghold broke open. Her eyes opened up, and these eyes stopped looking, and these started seeing eyes of the understanding and she said sir sir, I'm perceiving now that you are a prophet and then she wondered what sort of prophet is he that's a powerful word of knowledge but where's he from what's his and then she said I'll test him so she said our fathers say that we should worship him in this mountain Gerizim you say you should worship him in Zion which is correct and Jesus said the time's coming when the true worshiper will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now her spiritual eyes are wide open and she said, They say that Messiah is coming. And Jesus said, I that speak to you am he. One word of knowledge took her from a place of spiritual death. One word of knowledge cut through and broke into a spirit. How can we take hold of the word of knowledge? I remember as a young preacher, I was asked to preach in Paradise Church and uh, it was a big thing so I'd be given three weeks notice and I would usually fast at least 10-15 days sometimes longer I'd give myself five hours a day and I'd go down and I'd seek God for this one sermon one Sunday night I wanted to go in there in the power of God I wanted to go in there and shake the place so I would seek God every night I'd go down to this football ground dogs used to come and try and attack you so you'd have a big ring spanner great big one to encourage the dogs that it's not a good idea to explain to them or a nice stick and you'd explain to the uh, rot wheelers and things that hung around down there but you'd walk around and they didn't need the devil you had dogs so but I'd seek God walk up and down the lines of that thing for hours seeking God seeking God crying out to God and then on the last day I'd get the word and I'd have my word clear and then I'd take Saturday the day before and I'd go into this Methodist church hall from nine o'clock until five in the afternoon and just cry out to God praying in the spirit and I would pray father declare to me your thoughts show me who's going to be in the meeting tonight God would you show me tomorrow night what's going to happen would you show me who's going to be there can you show me conditions in that meeting father where will they be and then a a guy in Australia um, name was Clark Taylor Clark's still going he's getting on in years but Clark had been phenomenal over the years I remember listening to some of his teaching on the word of knowledge and he said that he would pray and he would just get into prayer in the spirit and say Lord show me any conditions with the with the head anything with the head and he'd work through and he'd wait until God showed him something and he'd say Father show me with the head, with migraines, with whatever, show me. And then to the eyes. Now, I was sharing this in the first session. I began to get a sense that someone uh, has just been diagnosed with glaucoma in their eyes and you've been concerned that you have glaucoma in your eyes. Now, I, I believe God wants to heal someone this morning of glaucoma. That's recently, I don't know if you're taking drops for it or whatever, but it's been a concern about your sight. And uh, I just felt that when I was talking about this this morning and then he would say okay I'm going to pray about the nose about sinus and and into the mouth and I was just talking like this this morning and I had a real sense that someone and I and I said to Pastor Tark I think I was getting some words of knowledge it may be for this service but I began to get a real sense that someone's been battling with a an abscess in the teeth a tooth abscess and a lot of pain um, in the back in the lower jaw is there someone has that this morning tooth abscess is there someone with that this morning Maybe in the first session, but I was very aware of it then. Is there anyone in this that's, that has an abscess? You have an abscess? Lower jaw. Which side? Are you in pain right now? Sorry. can't hear. You. When you're eating, is it an abscess? Can you believe God to heal you today? I can believe for that. And then I was conscious of damage up in the upper part of the spine. So I just, I would pray down the back, down the spine, cross the shoulders, into the lungs, and pray through the through through the body. And uh, I just, this morning, was conscious of someone with damage right up in the top, upper part of your neck that God wants to heal. Is someone with damage this morning right up in the upper part of your neck you need a miracle? If you had a whiplash or something like that? But you need a miracle up, up The upper half of your neck how high up is that right at the top is where I got my finger right at the top where it joins can you believe God for a miracle this morning you better come up here quickly you better come up quick I'm going to finish my sermon but you need to come just up near the front because I want to grab you in a moment and I'll pray for you in a moment too and uh, who was that other person was with a something other whatever that was I with glaucoma I'd love to pray for you too so just take my seat down there, I'll get you in a couple of minutes, is that okay, I'm going to believe with you, how long has it been bad? I only just found out from, an x-ray. from an x-ray, okay, yeah, it's the top, yeah, all right, we're going to believe God, you've got the same, just have a seat on the platform, sir. Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere's a good idea, just getting you nice and handy, yeah, that's a good spot, feels all right, check everybody out, it's good, well done. So I would start praying about all these things. Father, show me. Show me. You declare a man. What are your thoughts? Father, would you show me today? And I, I, was a young, I was a young man in the ministry. Didn't have great abilities. I'd come out of a mad scene, mad drunken artist. All I knew was that if you reached out to God, he'd meet you. He'd answer you. And I was silly enough to believe or whatever that he would show me and i saw a hip and it was i could see it glowing red it was like a vision i may have been in there 3 hours and god started to give me all this stuff this, this particular saturday and i saw this hip and i thought god what is that and i realized that the ball was damaged the 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 ball part uh or the socket part was was damaged that there was and i thought well it must be an arthritic thing and then I said, Father, where was this guy going to sit? Where will he be? Show me where in the meeting he's going to be. Lord, you can do that. I'm praying in advance. All I'm doing is asking God to show me something exactly the same as you can ask. Exactly the way you can and know. And you'll be stunned as you begin to seek God in this area, what he'll show you. He said he'd be in the back row, second to back row, wearing a brown top. And knew where he was and Then i got a few others and i was excited and the next night the power of god hit the place we had a great move of god and then i had this word i said there's a man second row to the back wearing brown and sometimes if i waited like this for a day i'd get their names and there's nothing better than having your name called out with the details and uh down he came power of god down he, out under the power People getting in touch and they're looking at me like, wow, this guy's really doing great. And you get excited about that, except it was nothing great about me, except that the day before, I had waited for an answer. Exactly the same as you can wait on God for a neighbor, for a family member, for something that will break open. I'm going to tell you one more story, then I'm going to quit. It's natural. It's very natural to get the keys. I was on the airplane. I was flying from Kuala Lumpur to London. And I looked at the guy next to me, and uh, he was sort of half hidden, and he was grumpy, a bit grumpy, but I looked at him, I thought, I recognise that guy, I know who he is, and uh, I said to him, you're on television, aren't you? He says, yes, yes, like I've been sprung, I was trying to avoid that, thank you very much, I want to rest, leave me alone. I said, that's okay, I won't, you know, I won't disturb you, you've got your privacy, and... Uh, You may be wondering who it is, but I'll tease you for a minute. But he went off to sleep, and I woke up in the morning, and he was in a bit better mood, but he talked to me about his family. It was Richard Hammond from Top Gear. And uh, he woke up in the morning, and he was a bit happier, and he talked to me about his family. He's got two girls, Izzy and Willow, and uh, young girls. He wanted to get home and see his family, and then he was going to Russia. and, And I said to the Lord, I said, Jesus, I want a key to talking to him. I'd like to share the gospel with him, but I need a key. I need a key. You see, God has keys for you to put into human locks to open them up. And he's got keys that will open Tuvalu. I'm going into Japan this year, got all these pastors coming into Tokyo. And I believe that there's going to be a release of the power of God. That's going to go from one end of Tokyo to Japan to the other believe we 're going to unlock the miraculous. believe that God has given me a key in Colombia in a couple of weeks, and doors opening up and all these interesting places. What was I telling you? I was on the plane, and I got up in the morning and said, "God, give me a key, give me a key." and he said, "What have you got up in your, in your bag i said i 've got some paper and some really good pens he said start drawing and I thought well immediately he said to me do some Australian animals in cartoon funny looking kangaroo with a uh, you know football jumper on an Aussie thing and and a stupid looking koala with a crocodile dundee hat I started drawing these things next thing a little head come around and I heard that is very good are you an illustrator I said I've illustrated a few books and I've uh, worked professionally over the years he said that's excellent he said oh you you and he's giving me some good praise I was enjoying it <laughs> and then he said are these for a book is this for a, a book or something I said no no these are for your daughters Izzy and Willow and I just wrote to Izzy and Willow best wishes Tim Hall and and uh handed it to him he said that is so nice that's so good And I said, I'll do something for you. And I drew a flying pig, really expressive flying pig, and underneath, nothing's impossible, and handed it to him. We talked for three hours, talked about his near-death experience when he crashed that car, what he went through, what he's gone through, things in his life. We talked about the gospel. I talked about uh, a whole lot of stuff with science and the Bible, and we opened up, and we became best friends because there was a key. There's a key... Have I got time to quickly tell that Colin story? I was pastoring a few years ago and there was a lady in the church who was most upset because her husband was violently opposed to her coming to church, a big truck driver called Colin. Colin was an intimidating big man, truck driver, did not want her to come to church. Now, as a pastor, what do you do? Do you send one of your deacons to get beaten up or do you go yourself? (laughs) Or do you pick a a deacon that needs some experience and send one of the younger pastors (laughs) I went there and I got there as he arrived home in his big Kenworth and just bought the Prime mover and drive it onto the property and I went in, sat down and I thought, Tim, bite the bullet. You can't mess around, you just bite the bullet. I said, how are you, Col? I said, let me ask you a question, Colin. And I sort of had a bit of a look like that. I said, what do you think of your wife coming to church? And he said, uh, no, I didn't know what the word was, he said after that, blankety-blank something. <laughs> no blankety-blank comment. I thought, oh, I don't know. That's an unusual word. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, I need a key. I need a key. And I looked around. You, so you've got to look for your key. Yeah. And I saw Essendon Football Club. Uh-huh. And a poster of Essendon Football Club in the kitchen, which is told me he liked Essendon. Black and reds. The blood and tars. Aussie rules. You don't know anything about that. That's where all the people in Australia go. It's church. <laughs> and I said, You follow Essendon Cole? Yeah, yeah, mate. I do. Yeah, I do. I said, You got a couple of good recruits. I said, this guy, um, Steve Copping, he, I'm from that area. I said, I used to play football with his cousins and his brothers and stuff. It's a real football family. He says, Oh yeah, you know him, do you? I said, oh, I haven't met him, but I know his brothers and oh really? I said, What about this little guy, Bahaji? He's come over from Western Australia. That little guy's gonna be he said, Yeah, he's a good player. And then I looked, I said, God, we've got, we're have got we in there now. And I said, Lord. And I looked, I saw a football year album. I said, Can I have a look at that for a sec, Open it up. Essen, and the thing he most loves, this is his God here. Yeah. I'm now telling him how good his God is. Brilliant. And I said, I see these guys. This guy can play. I love the way this guy. Oh, psh. And that was a good team. And he's going, Yeah, and this is Andrew. And I said, yeah. Well, he said, You better stay for dinner. Two hours later I went home. Sunday, in comes Colin, brook cream hair, same suit he was married in. He's about six three, built like a barn, barn door, coming to church. For a few weeks, he'd been coming. Then he'd say to his wife, uh, I've got some things to make in the shed. And he started going down to the shed. Well, David, my son, who you know, was born. And about a week later he came out with his wife and said, Can you give this to the Reverend for his boy? He had hand-built a Kenworth semi-trailer, the big trailer, the wheels. He had all the glass. It was painted up, little chrome, hand-built for David. And he said, can you take this and give it to the reverend? He's a good guy. Now, whether Colin's going for God now, I don't know. But I do know that God gave me a key. And you see, if we can wait on God for keys to lives... You might have someone at work that's a hard case that blasphemes christ every day and you get sick of it don't get mad at him but get into prayer and say give me something that'll shake the living daylights out of him Give me something that no one knows about him. Give me something for this neighbor. And you wait on God and it becomes exciting because God will start to give you a healing gift or as you wait on God, he'll give you a word of knowledge. He'll give you something so that you can go, not as one unarmed, you do not go to a gunfight with no bullets in your gun. Too many Christians are walking around and they look like they're gunfighters, but there's no bullets in their gun. We have to wait on God and slot some 45s in so that when we sit down and talk, I've got so many stories coming now of top rugby players in South Africa and, and guys that now are in the kingdom of top guys I sit with now um, that have happened through strategic stuff. God spoke to me at one of the guys while I'm watching him play and he said, he's going to be a close friend of yours, I'll open the door. You see, God wants you operating in the supernatural. He wants you moving in it.